You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Tendler wrote uh, a number of articles that were available in Lashon HaKedosh. Um, I wouldn't call him a prolific writer in the same sense of others of his generation. He wrote um, uh, in terms of his his uh, Hebrew or Lashon HaKedosh output, much of it is found in uh, the Torah journals from the yeshiva that he was connected to for most of his life, uh, Yeshiva Rabbeinu Yitzchak Ol This is a piece uh, from that I thought was interesting, and it really, I, I believe it's worthwhile uh, to go through a couple of, of the shtiklach. After we do a number of these pieces, I'm going to ask uh, my close uh, associate, uh, a person that I, 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 I'm, I feel so honored to have with us uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Adlerstein to uh, offer uh, appreciation uh, for him. It's for Shredish. We're not going to be Masbit, but we're going to be learning about him. So here we go. Um, this was uh, the yeshiva was learning Mesechtas um, Beitza, and this I am going to assume was one of Rav Moshe Tenler's Blat uh, Shiurim. My I never was Zocha to hear Shiurim from him. I did hear lectures from him. I wasn't Zocha to go to his shear uh, on, a, on a daily basis, but or how many times a week he gave shear. But I believe his shiurim are something similar to the type of things that he wrote in the Beis Yitzchok, which, which, which are, as you can see, are going to be a combination of an interesting analysis and, and taking it to a place that you might not expect with some halachic ramifications. First, the Gemara Beitza on Davov says that Psak from Rova that So the the Gemara uh, is is being matir on Sheni a uh, the all the isurim that might have been connected to Yontif since when it's Nugea Kovid Ames. And the Gemara actually uses a lotion, Yontif Sheni, uh Mes Kichol Shavya Rabonan. Now there is a Rav Tendler is not really directly going to discuss, although he, he speaks about it in some way, why we don't follow this. We know that Shulchan Aruch had already explains why this is not the minig anymore for someone who dies in Yantusheni for him to have a burial. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. He actually deals with the Rishonim and he really develops something quite interesting. So let's see. So the um, Rav Tendler starts with. The rush. He does not, in this article, give you the whole shtickle tire of the rush. But the rush argues with Rashi. Rashi shita is that um, the idea of allowing even uh, the non Jews to be involved on Yontafrisha, meaning Amira Lenachri, is going to be allowed to deal with the burial needs of a Jew is only if there's a, a situation where it seems like the mace is going to uh, decompose or give off a bad smell, where it's a, 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 it's, it's, it's a, a clear bazillion mace is happening. That's the only way Rava would ever be matir, even on, on a Yontif Rishon, which is Daraisa, to allow a Goy to do an Isur for you that would be an Isur Daraisa. That is the Shita of, of Rashi. The Rosh disagrees. 
The Rosh says that, that Rashi's interpretation of the Gemara is forced. It doesn't seem like that's what's really going on, especially with, with what Ravashi and Marzutra say there in the Gemara. It sounds like they're, they, they are talking uh, about a straight-out heter, not because Rashi and Shabbos says it's referring to Yontif after Shabbos, that the mace has already been around for a day. The Rosh then concludes in the following. This is what Rabbi Tenwer quotes. He says that what we're talking about here is covered abrios. So even though the, the mace is, is only died right now, the mace has only died recently, still covered abrios has to be able to be docha isra derabonan of amira wenochri, not because of sariach. Now, let me explain what this means. Everybody agrees that if it, there's a bizoyan ames, that if the mace starts to decompose and give off a really radical smell that, that people uh, are disgusted by, that's bizoyan mamish of the mace. And that's push it, in, in the, in, as you see even from Rashi, that we can be matir and iser derabonan for that. But the rush holds that even if it's not if it's just the kavo, that the body shouldn't have to stay there uh, unburied, it has nothing to do with sariach. The kavod ames is that it, should, that it shouldn't just sit there. The idea of someone dying and just lying out there and nothing's being done to it is itself a lack of kavod, not because the body has started to give off odors. So therefore, not being involved in it is a lack of kavod. So therefore, that's one svara that the Rosh says to argue with Rashi. The second svara he says is, is that what you would be able to do is be is, is to deal with the mace, even though it's an Isra Daraisa that you're asking the guy to do, but there's there's also a, a you're you're being more aninus. In other words, when the body is buried, so at, at least there's the beginning of healing on the part of the of the nift of the Avalim. To, allow, to just have the person being there is is a tremendous tsar to the oinen in Biyantif. That's the rush in Beitza. The rush itself is beautiful enough to know. And, but that's where he starts from. And, 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 and Rav Tenler goes through his analysis and he says there's obviously two aspects here. One aspect is Shulay Yasriach. And then there's the second aspect which is, as I said before, is the inherent COVID, not, as I was saying, he doesn't analyze it the same way I did, but it's basically the same thing. Okay, so that's the very interesting rush. From there, Rav Tendler moves and, and basing himself on the fact that there is something, you know, beyond what we think normal COVID is. He quotes uh, a rivad. The rivad is brought by the Beis Yosef, and the rivad goes, seems to, seems to go against our Gemara, because the rivad says, the, the Ravid Paskind, that what you should do is, even if you have the heter of Yom Rishon to tell a goy to be involved in the burial of the mace, don't do it. Because you want a Yisrael to be Isaac at the mace. That was the Ravid's Psak, connected the Gemara. In other words, the Gemara is talking about either dying on Yom Rishon or dying on Yom Shani. Whereas the, the, um, the, the Ravid is saying, on Yom Rishon, don't do anything. Wait till Yontav Sheni. And this way, the Jews can be Isaac in it with, with the person who has died. And all the Rabbanim disagreed with the Ravid because, because you're, what's going on over here? There, there's a lack of COVID and you're letting the body stay the way it is till the next day. 
So the what the uh, Rav Tenler is medayik from the Ravid, that there's another Indian of COVID which can override the physical issue of COVID, meaning the body sitting there unattended to is a physical problem of COVID. But then there is a mental aspect of COVID of the people around, which is the people have seen and the person somehow sensed in Layla Ma'emes or the Aveilum sense, look, a goy Nebuch had to be involved with the mace. Now, that's something which is not a, 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 an objective quality. It's something which has to do with a perception. It's a perception that, ooh, you know, this guy had to be buried by Goyim. So the Ravid felt that, and maybe that wasn't true in the time of Chazal. Maybe the Ravid sensed the zeitgeist of his time, that people were thinking that, and he said, you know what? That's a lack of covid too. Even though in terms of inherent covid, we would say it's better to be buried immediately, but the, 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 the optics or the shame of it, that a goy had to bury you, is in itself a lack of covid. From there, Rav Tendler, I think, very cogently connects this to a Mogan Avram. The Mogan Avram says that um, uh, in, in Hilcha Shabbos, the, uh, quoting Hilcha Shabbos, um, the, we know that um, uh, enough, if a person dies on Shabbos, we paskin that you shouldn't call in a guy to do covet a mason yonim for the mace. Shalayoimru nischalolov Shabbos. Because people are going to say that. Even though for the body and maybe even for the person watching it, it's better. But there's the bigger picture. The bigger picture of everyone around. They're going to know that a goy was involved. And, and the Nebuch, Chil Shabbos had to happen. Even though it wasn't real, it was allowed because it was, it was, it was COVID Abriyos inherently. It was only in Yisra that we should but we don't want the shame to go out that, you know, that guy, they had to be Mechal Shabbos for him. So based on that, he says, even if it's not, even taking the body out um, and to put it in a grave that's already been dug where there's, there's it's, it's not even an Yisra it's not even Yisra Daraisa they're doing because they're not doing Chafira it's not, it's not, it's not in a Rosh Hashanah in Mamish. It's only in a Carmelis. Still, we don't do that. And again, Rav Tenwer zeroes in on this very uh, important language of, uh, from the Mogan Avram, which is, In other words, if people know about it, even though it's only a Shvu, uh, the Rabbonan, the COVID goes out. So this is really what happens. And you think about it, it's almost like what, what, the, what the Welt says, what's being said about the person, about the person who died and their family, is really a greater Indian of COVID than the inherent uh, immediate situation of the body. So he's, Rav, uh, Rav Tenler then connects this to a Tysus and Bobakama where Tysus seems to say the same idea, that we should have been matir to have a goy bury our mesim on Shabbos too, not just on Yontif, like Rav's Psaq. Because, now the mace is not alive, but the idea is, in some way, whether Tysus feels the neshama or the people around it, that there was an Israel Because if you think about it, there's really should be no difference between 
Yontif and Shabbos. And yet, we know by Shabbos, there is no heter of Amiru and Nachri. The Gemara never mentions it. And as Taisus points out, so this is really the big raya to the Mogan of Ramzi Sod. That, that what people are saying, that, that even though it's not even Osir at all, it should be Mutter based on pure halacha, that is still a problem. So based on this, Rav Tenler goes to a, a card that mostly he would play, which is a psaq from Rav Moshe Feinstein. So he says, that's the reason Rav Moshe says, Likvar, we don't do the heter of Yontif Shani Mizmanazeh. Now, again, Taisvis and other Mepharshim say that maybe the reason is the Goyim will see that we're doing Malacha and they're going to make us do other Malachas. But again, that heter really is hard to, uh, to be Makabal. The reason is, is because we don't live in a country where, you know, the, the Goyim are, are, are pushing us around. And, and if they see what we're doing, they're going to force us to do Malacha, right? Uh, whatever anti-Semitism might develop. So why is it that the halacha, that the way it's, it's even in Shulchan Aruch, why is it that Kemat, nobody does this? Why, when someone dies beyond Tivshani, why don't we do anything in terms of having a, a funeral? Even with Amira and Akhri, why don't we do that? Well, we should. Okay, you want to say we can't use the heter of Chazal because there's still Eva or in some way, but why can't we at least do some sort of processes to have the funeral happen if someone dies on the second day of Yontif. If Tenler, died on the first day. But I'm saying this is it's quite a, a sort of apropos to speak about. Why can't we do something on the second day? So he says, Rav Moshe said, because in people's mind, that was a bazillion. Even though they're wrong, even though they, they really don't get it, because really halachically it should be allowed, but ooh, in Isra the Rabbanan, we have to be Matir a Goy to and it's a shvus to shvus. People are going to say, Yeah, look what happened. Ah, you want to tie to the Gemara says it's Kikol Shabi Rabbanan. So Lukhaira, but on that Rav Meshah says, why do we say Kikol Shabi Rabbanan? Why do we say the Isure the Rabbanan don't apply? According to the Iker Din of Rova, that you'd be allowed to do all the malachos, quote unquote, daraisa on Yontiv Shemi, because as far as a maze goes, we never were Masak and Yontiv Shemi. So Rav Moshe said that's only because it's Kovet Ames. But now that there's this other aspect of Kovet that's reared its head, that's become paramount in the times of even of the Ravid and beyond, and even in our times when the Amaratsis is the Skaber, where everybody thinks, oh, Yontav Sheni is just like Yontav Rishon, people don't understand the Chiluk. So now it becomes a Bizoyon Ames, or, or, or it becomes like a Bizoyon. And therefore, the, the Heter of Kechol Shavir Bona doesn't apply because the, the, the Heter was based on Kovet. And, and Bismana Zeh, people see that as a lack of COVID. And Rav Moshe had another reason why he was uh, happy that no funerals should take place on Yom Tiv Sheni, is because today, the funeral is not what it used to be. Today, the whole Keter, even of Rava, was not to have a funeral procession. It was anything that's necessary to, to have the body prepared and buried, that you can do. But something which is about um, something which is about uh, uh, just to show up at the funeral and, and walk there and 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 and, and be part of uh, the, the the task that's going on. On that, there's no kechol shabi rabbonin. So that's why Ramosha was felt that what was going on today is really a kiyum in the psak of Rova. It isn't an aberration 
from the pshat, the, the psak of Rova. Okay, so that is that was. I don't know if I did justice to it, but that I think is a sort of a sample of the type of shear, or at least part of the shear that Rav Rav um, Rav so kind of Rocha, would have given on that daf, and maybe it was the shear that he gave. But then we, he went off the daf because then he was then he 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 gets into the question of the lumdus of what is kvura. In other words, is, 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 is the idea of kvura the mitzvah, the maisa kvura, is, and that's the bizoyan, so to speak? Or, and this, of course, is just really an excuse to get into this semi-chakira. Or is kvura not really a mitzvah to be kover? It's a mitzvah that the person should be buried, but not that the pa'ul of the kvura has a shame mitzvah. Uh, he, he, in this regard, he quotes from Vilchanan, who he gives tremendous honorifics to, Zechard Sadef Ekodesh Uvrocha, Hashem Yukum Domim, and the Kovit Shiurim, which we know were the type of Shiurim that were given for, I guess, sort of high school age guys. And I guess this is a sample of a type of uh, thing you might want to say, maybe to a high school Shiur or beyond. But he says that um, the um, that uh, that Rav Hanan himself says that you see from the fact that we tell Goyim to do it, that the kvura is only a din in the paula is a din that the paula happened, that the taitzah happened. I'm sorry, not the paula of the kvura itself. Um, and uh, he says the same thing is true when it comes to uh, beer chametz. When it comes to destruction of chametz, it's not a mitzvah. Even though a lot of people bring their kids to to burn the chametz, the mitzvah is not that the chametz. Uh, you have to do the act of burning. Even if you say, the Iker din is that it gets burnt. <laughs> and if a guy does it, it's also good. doesn't make a difference. Um, uh, he says the nafkamina is pashat. If you, Rebbe Chanan says, if the pu'ula is the mitzvah, like by kisay adam. So let's say that there, it's not that the dam should be covered. It's that you should put offer on, the, on there, on, on the blood of the animal. And therefore, let's say, the wind comes and blows the uh, the dirt away. You can leave it, even though the blood is there for everybody to see. That's kisui adam. When it comes to kvura, if somehow the body becomes dislodged, of course it has to be reburied again. It has nothing to do with the maisa kvura itself. Okay, so that's what that's just a galata uh, einfall, and that that's obvious, really. That that's what the mitzvah kvura is. But then he says, Rav Tenler that why is it if, if now that he's in Bira Chometz, if Bira Chometz is really only a, uh, a, a, a the Totsah, but it's not the Pa'ula, and now he's really in Bira Chometz, why is it that the Gemara in Psachim, when it speaks about Andaf Dalid, speaks about it in, in, in very laudable terms of the Minhagim is to, is to hire people to, uh, to, uh, to burn Chometz? or to find your chametz. Because Lamar speaks about, is it a mekachtos or not, if you discover that a department that you assumed had bedika is not really nivdak. So the Gemara says that even if, the Gemara has two lashonis. The Gemara says that if, if it's a place where you, usually the person is boidik, the guy could say, look, uh, I know I gave you that impression, but come on, you can't say mekachtos here. Go do the mitzvah of, 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 of finding the chametz. And he says, even if it's a place where you're going to have to pay, because the minig is to pay people to be baidik for the chametz, no, don't you want to do the mitzvah with your own money? 
Therefore, the sale is not a canceled sale. That's briefly the Gemara Psachem on Daftalid. So Rav Tendler was quite surprised. He said, what sort of minig was that? There was a minig in a community to go against the, the principle of mitzvah, like the mitzvah was like to give, I, I tell you, when I gave the Gemara in Dafyomi, I thought it would be like a way to give, you know, it was like a way to give parnosa to people. That's the way I learned Pshat in the Gemara, that it's a minig, you know, there's people, professional people do it. It's a way like the yeshiva guys who do that by Pesach and the American guys who stay over. Yeah, so... But Rav Tenler says it's strange. You have a minute not to do the mitzvah yourself. Also, he says, the Gemara uses a, a strange lotion. The Gemara says, Why doesn't it use the standard, the language that's used in the beginning of Kedushan? Mitzvah bo, yoser mi bishlucho. Why does it say it's niach to be makayim a mitzvah? So, you know, normally we talk about Chesidah Shapoiskim. He quotes the... Um, the Avnezer. The Avnezer says the Avnezer was against uh, people buying matzahs. Again, he was obviously against the Zerim here because it wasn't become. Imagine what it'd be today. The idea that buying matzahs from a from a store or from a place that was making it re- available in a wholesale, the Avnezer was against that. And he said that the um, uh, the lotion that that, that Rav Tenler quotes from the Savni Nazar is that why is it that it's such a beautiful mitzvah and you, you're buying uh, you're buying matzah menashuk? It's like it's like your chaytef mitzvah menashuk. Like meaning, why don't you go do it yourself? You know, there's an idea of doing this idea by yourself. Why don't you go and make the matzah by yourself? This was Avni Nazar's uh, taina. Now that leads Rav Tenler to the Gemara in Menachos, where the Gemara Menachos speaks about writing a Sefer Teira. So the Gemara says that if you go and buy a Sefer Teira r- 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 written by a Sefer and, the guy, and sold at a bookstore, at a Sefer Torah store, it's not a real mitzvah. And well, what should you do, the Gemara says? Either you, uh, you can write the Sefer Teira yourself, and that's as if you're Moshe Rabbeinu, or you fix a Sefer Torah, and if you fix it, then it's the mile of writing. So Rav Tenler points out that when the Shulchan Aruch comes to Paskin this Gemara, when the Ramah Paskins this, the Ramah basically says you can, if you hire someone to write a Sefer Torah for you, that's also as if you've written it. And it's, it's, there's no evident in it whatsoever. But if, right, but if you buy a Sefer Torah from a Sefer Torah store, is different. But if you hire the Sefer, that's already a, a Mila. Once again, Rav Tenwar wants to know, why is it that if you, as you can see here up here on the board, So, But why? You didn't do anything. Shouldn't there be a, a, a lack of a Madrega here? Again, by, just like by Bir Hametz as well. Shouldn't there be a lack of a madrega? You didn't do it yourself, especially if you know how to write. You, you could teach yourself how to write. Why is the never? And he says, why in Shulch, why in Shulchan Aruch doesn't say that the highest madrega is for you to write a sefer Torah? It says if you if you if you have it written for you, that's as if that's already a, a kiyum hundred percent. Rav Tenwer says, what happened to the principle of mitzvah boy So he wants to be machadish a teretz. His teretz is, 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 is based on a Machne Ephraim. The Machne Ephraim says 
deals with the famous, with, with the Gemara Mufareshes in Bava Metzia. We know the Gemara says, that if a person picks up a Metzia, uh, and I, if I see a, a, a Metzia on the, on the, in the, in the Hefka Rishus, and I pick it up and say, oh, you know, this beach ball, this is going to go great for my friend's collection. My friend doesn't claim it. Even though normally I can make a Kenyan to help someone else. But over here, if I'd be wanting it for myself, it's one thing. But if there's other beachcombers like me who want to find that ball, and I'm getting it for the guy, I'm getting it for, you know, for Maynard G. Krebs, who's back in, 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 in his hut, but not for myself. Right, Dobie picks it up only for, for for Maynard. If that's what's going on, so that already is, is, is a chisaro. I have no right to pick it up. Dobie can pick it up for himself, but not for Maynard. That's However, we know the Gemara says that if let's say Maynard would hire Dobie to be his worker for that day and to do all sorts of odd jobs for him, and while he's hiring total for that day, and he would. Uh, find that beach ball, then he'd pick it up, it would go straight to Maynard. What's the difference? So the, the Machnefrayim explains because there's a difference between a shuliach and someone you pay. <laughs> when you pay someone to do something, it's higher than a shuliach. A shuliach is ultimately a stranger who desire, who's going to act on your behalf because he can do something. So there we say, look, don't, even though the kiyum is there, but it's a great, God considers it a better act when you do it. God considers you more involved than taking advantage of a shliach. Mashenke in the Machna Ephraim says, when you hire someone, that is you. It's not because that, you, he's using your money, you're paying for that. And therefore, that could even work, says the Machna Ephraim, where it's chav l'achrine, because there is no achrine, it's me. When I pay someone, that person, it doesn't make a difference that it's that the other beachcombers can't get it. So Rav Tendler wants to use this Machne Ephraim to explain this anomaly and say that in the case, the Gemara in Psachim is talking about a minig where you pay the, the people to do bedika. Since you pay them to do bedika, there's no chisarn of mitzvah by Yosef There's still the geshmak, maybe. Again, like the Gemara says, in some places they didn't pay, but where they paid, there's no chisar in mitzvah And that's by Sefer Torah as well. You're paying the Sefer. Since you're paying the Sefer, so therefore he says, it's ke'ilu, you did it. And, the, and, and we don't say there's a chisar in that you didn't, that whatever Milo was missing in mitzvahs is not missing there. So what does Rav Tenwar accomplish from this? Besides, you know, varfing this incredible bikiyas, so to speak, he wants to farenfer, why is it that people, the Zman when it comes to bris milah, um, uh, don't do what they should, seemingly. The Shach already, uh, already has complaints about the, the, what he saw. There were people who knew how to do a bris, but for some reason hire the moel of the city to do it. And the Shach felt this was wrong. Even though there is, if you know how to do the bris mila, and there's no tnai in the city that this mayo has all the brisim, and you know how to do it, and even if there is, the bezdin should change the rule. Yeshua bezdin levata ladover, the shach says, because it goes against the idea of mitzvah yesmishu, since you're able to do the bris. And he says, Rav Tenler says, 
even if they can't do the Hobris, he says, he says, the Chituch is not hard to do. Once the Moel is able to, to get the Orla ready, and, and he could, and, and, and I've seen it by many people, I'm sure, where they say, oh, you want to make the cut? You can do the cut. Why is it that is, that's not done more often? Why isn't that we basically allow the, 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 the father to do the Maisamila? Because if he does that, the, the Moel standing over there, that's the actual act of Hasarasa Orla, and that can be done. He says, it's only Mamish Yechidim that he sees being Makbed on that. Why not? But he says the reason is is because we're paying the moil. If you pay the moil, there's no mailer. Once you pay, then it's the machne frayim's yisod. It's kiyode mamish, and there's no. It's not even a hidur for the father to be involved to go that that next step. So he says, based on that, he says it's probably a, it's probably amaratzis. This that the the, the, the Moel usually says. That usually the Moel says, uh, "Are you being mamanami or shliach?" No, Rav Tenler says. You have to say, "Am I your sachir?" Right? Shliach is not good enough. I have to say, "I'm your sachir," because I'm your poel. A sachir and a poel there, you, it, there it doesn't. When when that occurs, you don't have the chisar and a mitzvah yisabeshlucho, and there that's a key of mamish as if the father was able to do it. Now. I, I don't know if he was able to pack this all. I, I assume this was one shear that he gave, maybe a weekly shear that he gave. But you can see what Rav Tenler was able to do. I mean, if I'd be listening to that shear, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if your heads are turning. But in my mind, that's a pretty gishmaka mahalach, where, what he was able to do. True, the whole second half of it was sort of like off topic completely. But you, you see where his brain was leading and some some practical Nafkaminas, as far as that goes. Uh, you made me aware of that really wonderful um, recollection and appreciation that you gave for Tenler on, on cross currents. Um, and, and I know obviously everybody can go look there, but do you want to just give, give over the sense of, of, of what your Hakar Satov to Tenler was and what you think, why you think he's, he's that important for this generation? Well, I. Um... I, I was forced to catapult myself back in time a considerable distance. Uh, I was 15 years old when I first met uh, Ruf Tendler in the flesh. Um, <clears throat> I was uh, in a Haredi high school, which meant uh, uh, not the greatest secular education. Um, and I had, from the time I was a kid, dreamt of becoming a doctor. And wasn't quite sure how this was going to uh, was going to work out, since uh, I was supposed to go according to my parents' design to Bronx Science, and they were heartbroken when I when I didn't. But I retained my love for science, and I still had my uh, my sights set on going to a good school after high school, and then then going to medical school. Um, so I applied foundation program. Several people gave in uh, in the New York area, but I applied to to uh, Rabbi Tendler's, and uh, uh, I sat and listened to him for a good couple of weeks, at least in the morning at YU, and then I got shipped off to a lab at Albert Einstein, where I delighted in uh, dissecting 
tadpoles and uh, the lichen metamorphosis. This was like a summer enrichment program for exactly. gifted, for exactly. somewhat gifted for gifted children. <laughs> right. We we had more of them back then because people weren't spending as much time on their iPhones. So uh, did strange things like read and study and the like. Um, anyway, uh, I, I look back at it now. I look back at it now and I realize that he probably saved my life. And I'm sure it's the case of, of many other people as well. What do I mean by that? Um, there was a time, and it hasn't disappeared, where people, where people had, had to struggle with issues. They heard some things in the base matters, things that came out of a, out of a black Amaro or from Rishonim or Achronim or the, their neighborhood Rabbanim, and it, it just didn't fit with what they were studying in, uh, in general studies, whether these were kids, whether it was adults who were uh, achieving high positions in the, in the sciences, it was a real conflict that was there. Now, this is the age where, where people were dealing with it. You had Intercom, the, uh, I, I think it may still be published, the, uh, the Journal of the uh, Association of Orthodox Jewish Scientists. There were Orthodox Jewish scientists. Rabbi Tendler was not the first. Um, Rabbi Tendler was certainly not the first to say that there shouldn't be any conflict between Torah and science. That goes back to the Gaonim. Uh, in more modern times, uh, something you see again and again in, in Rav Kook. And there were other people who were kind of living it, but nobody lived it in the limelight. Nobody was an icon for this perfect confidence that you didn't live in two different worlds, switching from, from your morning to your afternoon or anything like that. He was entirely comfortable with living the life of a Talmud Chacham with significant scientific background, and again, and again, and again, he was pretty, he was pretty out there with it. Uh, major publications, when they had questions that, uh, about, about Jewish practice, uh, whether it was in medical ethics or other things relating to science, it was Rabbi Tendler who made the statement. And you didn't always agree or have to agree with those statements. But subliminally, he was like a statue of liberty standing in the harbor saying, you can be safe here. You can be a Tamil Chacham, a Ben Torah, a Bas Torah, and you don't have to be afraid of sinking in a sea of anti-Torah science. Surely there were people then, as there are today, who said, stay away from it all, it's all godless. And uh, I don't mean godless, I mean godless. And uh, uh, scientists, they change their mind all the time. Now, do they really know? You know? This goes back to some of the uh, the Chufa uh, Sarashpa about, about philosophy and secular knowledge. It's nothing new, but Rabbi Tendler became the one who put it on the map. So much so that... I believe an entire generation of us, largely through his presence, absorbed 
the main message that there was no conflict, they didn't have to be, and that there were ways of harmonizing what you saw in the base medrash and Mahatta, what you were what you were studying and, and when you were looking at secular things. Well, let me ask you something. You know, it, it, it's beautiful, and, and I can see how you're really transported back there. And and I agree with you uh, in terms of the uh, the feelings that we all had. That you know, are we dealing with uh, the the big monster around the corner, or are we dealing with something that is is really part of the beautiful aspect of life? We we just need to tow our gloves to know how to deal with it. What, but did he wear those gloves though? When when he was your um, counselor or guide, was he? Was he peppering you with Chazalin the whole time, or was he actually? He actually was. He was. He was being the consummate scientist who, whenever he could, would pepper the conversation with some reference to. And the rabbis of the Babylonian Talmud knew this a lot before we did. Mm. He would throw in some reference. Now others will disagree with whether that citation in the Gemara actually supported. The science. Some people will be disappointed that he didn't. He didn't say what what others have said afterwards, which got them into a lot of trouble. Uh, you know, the sheet of Avram ben Arambam, and really earlier in the Gonim, that uh, Chazal did not have necessarily a Masorah and everything scientific. Uh, they 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 had a Masorah on how to get to Olam Haba and how to how to understand Das Elyon, but not but so, not necessarily how to build so, a better bomb. So, so, so Rav Ten, where you feel, I mean, objectively, sometimes had to accept very tortured readings and understandings of Chazal, at least in order right. to wave, in order to wave the flag the way he wanted to right. for you. And you're not. And, and we, we don't know if what he, we don't know what was in his heart, but as as a as a teacher, he needed to do that in order I'm, to. I'm convinced that he the the, the somewhat torturous explanations he gave came from. A, uh, a a high degree of confidence in the truth of Torah, in the veracity of, of Chazal. As such, even if you didn't see eye to eye about a particular explanation, if you didn't believe that the Shafan was, was a Lama, for instance, in, in dealing with the, the four animals of the Maramanachas, the, the four animals that are only supposed to have one simon rather than another simon, he spoke with other, utter confidence uh, what what I think we what I think we retained subliminally was the idea that Torah is bigger than all of this. That science is Hakadosh Baruch Hu's handwriting over the uh, the Olam Hatachton, and he paved the way for people coming up with a synthesis, whether it was his or somebody else. I I, I would see it akin to two things, to what the Rambam did to rationality in, 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 uh, in general. Not that he was the first, but he was just so big that both for him and even for non-Jews, like, like, uh, like Aquinas, who were influenced by him because of this utter confidence that you did not have to lose your rationality. Another example, in my mind, would be Maharal, who showed that you could take apart a chazal and account for every detail, including the order in which different 
uh, authors were presented. You didn't have to agree with the... Okay. Right. Now, now I think you're going through a little conflation again, Rabbi. You know, this is like our program of on principle together. The morale was uh, believed Chazal uh, that the scientists in many ways were in the dark, and you can see that from the Baragola. Uh, he is not ready to 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 voodooize voodooize Chazal. He believes that it needs to be allegorically interpreted. You have to do your best interpreting every point of it. But the morale was not like Rav Tendler. The morale correct, was- correct. That wasn't my point, Rav. My point was. That there were uh, there were and are lots of people who see the words of Chazal as just word games or semantics or ways of keeping an audience entertained, and the morale said Chas B'Shalom. There is okay. depth in every and that the idea that somebody could had an approach that he could take through Kol HaTorah Kula through all my Mari Chazal and without losing confidence, without saying that there's anything trivial in Chazal that has a Rosham, even to people who dings it with a particular a, a, a particular explanation of the Mara. Right. So in yeah. sense, the Mara made, made, created a space for harmonizing Chazal, philosophy, and even Kabbalah. I believe that Moshe Tendler, Zichron Levracha, created the space for countless people, including people who may never have heard him, but his effect in those years, those decades of his activity were such that it created a safe place for thousands of people, many of them physicians, but many of them research scientists or just thinkers, to be able to establish a baseline that there's no real conflict here. I may have to wait my entire lifetime to get to the all of my MS to find out about particular pratim, but there isn't a baseline. They can work together, and and um, and, and therefore they could be shemer teira mitzvahs balabatim betachos adiktud. In other words, exactly. if they believed they were just showing fealty to a system that was illogical, then ultimately there would be a breakdown. Exactly. This, this this created the best type of balabas that Shamshnafol Hirsch and others were looking for, the ones that contribute to the community. And whether they were, I don't know if Rabbi Tenler created uh, a, an army of great Talmide Chachamim after him, but he created an army of, of, of brilliant thinkers, uh, uh, doctors, and others. I do want to share with you something that I, sh- I saw on the comment page. Uh, that was um, written by our, our, our mutual friend uh, from, from Atlanta. And he mentions there um, uh, the, uh, the comment that Rabbi Tenler said to him when he told him he wanted to go to law school. I'm sure you read it, right? Yes. He, he said, look, if you'd become a doctor or a scientist, that's great. Because in a way, you're, 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 you're walking lockstep with Torah people together. You're adding to the to the to the exploration of the world, You're, the Torah and you are partners, but we don't need more lawyers who are going to be part of a system that we know is broken, that we know is really inefficient, that is based on man-made feelings, and therefore it, it bothered him when he when someone who is as bright as this fellow uh, was going into law school as opposed to going into uh, 
uh, going into the science field. I thought that was another, uh, that was a really great uh, uh, statement that I think captures a lot about who Rabbi Tenber was. You know, it's not a hespid, but I think we need an incredible warm person. You know, you, you get the sense of him, especially as we know how feisty he was. And we know that, uh, he, you know, the, the, I wouldn't call it the vehemence, but the the uh, you know he was people boring there almost on smugness when he would argue and, and and disagree with his opponents and the we know that that he was not necessary he wasn't a pussycat, but if you look at the way he treated his the people in his shul, uh, Rabbi Reese shared with me and it's on uh, the tradition website, incredible care that he had uh, for 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 people young and old, uh, the, the, the accessibility that he felt for the people in his shul, uh, the feelings that he had, he was, he was, he was clearly a very uh, emotional and, and devoted given person. I, I, think you, I think you were also struck by that when you were reading about that, no? I, I, I was, and as well as some of what I heard in the Hespedim, which I did listen into, about his own Hanhagas. In, uh, in, in, in mitzvahs, uh, people tended to think of uh, Moshe Tendler as this, this big brain out there who uh, was, was basically churning out intellectual material and realized that besides being a Tamil Chacham, which is consistent with that, he also had to perform mitzvahs like the rest of us. And he had his, uh, his set of humrus. And it, it, it occurred to me not that I have any license to say it, and, uh, but it, uh, the, the suggestion crossed my mind nonetheless that um, why was he Zoha to have the outsize uh, impact, even on, on, on a generation of many people who disagreed with him? But, but his legacy is, is, is undoubted. It, it, it set... As you put before, it created space for there to be from Balabatim as well as from professionals. Why was he Zohar to that? Because he did all the things that a, from, a real from El Yid should do. He learned a lot of Torah, and he was a medaktek in mitzvahs. He wasn't just a brain who managed to figure it all out. And it's people like that that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives uh, the Hatzlacha, that they should be able to not only lead good lives and say good examples, but to have a lasting impact. impact. Um, and, you know, I'll just end with the, uh, uh, an image that really stuck with me when I was reading it today. Um, Rabbi Reese uh, said the last time he uh, saw uh, Rav Tendler uh, personally was at the Sia Mashas in MetLife. Uh, and I remember it was a pretty cold day. I wasn't there. William, you were there, right? William, you, you were there. Yeah, I was at the Sia Mashas. You yeah. were there. And it was pretty cold for some people. There were people who were sitting out there, um, and and Rabbi and, and uh, Rabbi Reese pointed out that many people younger than Rabbi Tenler left. You know, they left the dais. It was already getting cold. The day was starting to wane, and Rabbi Tenler was there with his coat on in the cold. You could see the breath escaping from him, but he had with him a little shas, a little gemara that he was learning from. So. I'm not sure if he was listening to all the drushes or not, if he could hear them, I don't know. But w- without being pogay in the covet of the speakers, he would be looking and just sitting there till it was over, the covet and he would be learning. 
And, and as Rabbi Reese said, that silent whisper of him whispering to himself as he was sitting there learning in the cold, to him, spoke much greater and much more eloquently than any of those, you know, the canned droshes about how important it is for Balabatim uh, to do Dafyomi and finish. And here he was. So you, as you can, as I, I think this just aids and... Uh, it... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.